following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, um, uh, last week we talked about uh, Paul's uh, reaction to his predicament in Rome. Um, I've heard lots of feedback about that sermon. I don't know if you guys heard the same one that I heard, but uh, I'm glad the Lord is using that. Anyway, we talk about uh, Paul in Rome. Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel, chained day and night to a Roman soldier. He's on trial for treason and continuously persecuted by others who were jealous of him and his influence. And regardless of his chains, regardless of his trials, regardless of his persecution, Paul rejoiced. And he rejoiced that the gospel was being preached in Rome, both by those who were sincere and did so out of love and goodwill, and by those who were seeking to do him harm and afflict him by preaching Christ. And Paul's reaction to the things that were hard reminds us that God our Father is always at work. And even using the things that are most difficult in our lives to shape and mold us to be more like Christ and to advance the gospel and magnify himself. God is always at work to do those three things. The great thing about Paul's example is that no matter how we talk about him or think about him, Paul was not a superhero. He, was, uh, he didn't have special powers. He wasn't divine. He didn't glow in the dark or walk on water. He's just a man. Okay? I don't want to miss that. I know I talk a lot about Paul because we've been working on his letters for the last 500 years. But uh, Paul is just a man. Just, like, uh, just a person like us. He had a special task that was given to him by the Lord. And the Lord used him mightily as evidenced by the book that we hold in our hands. But in the end, he's just a man like us. So today we're going to examine the one thing that did set Paul apart from us. So let's look at Philippians chapter 1. Start to verse 18 uh, or page 980 in a few Bibles or up here on the screen. We will start at verse 18b. You should have a paragraph uh, and a heading stuck in the middle of verse 18. Paul says, Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. 
For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's pray. Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit you would guide us in your word this morning. That... uh, through the words that you share with us, our understanding of the power of Christ to work in every situation is beyond that we, that we can understand. We know, Lord, that you have done the work of salvation through Jesus, your Son, on the cross. And we pray now that as we look to your word, that we would hear your voice, that we would be changed. And our understanding of Jesus would be changed. And our mindset would be changed. We'll love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's another uh, fortune cookie right here in the middle of this passage. Right? The one verse we like to quote. Uh, but I'm going to resist the temptation to work on just that one verse. I'm not even going to say it. You already know what it is, don't you? You've seen it on a coffee cup or an inspirational calendar. We'll get there. In the midst of Paul's trials and difficulties, he had a well of strength to draw from, as we see in verse 19. He knew that both his imprisonment and his persecutions were accomplishing God's will, and in that he rejoiced. Because, uh, I say in verse 9, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. What an interesting perspective he has. I know that through your prayers and the Spirit, the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, this everything going to be all right. Does that sound foreign to you? (laughs) It does to me sometimes. We talked last week about things that are hard or not necessarily bad. And sometimes we're in the middle of those things and we can't see the forest through the trees, right? And things are hard and we don't know what to do and it just feel like things fall apart or just we can't get beyond it. It's not going to be okay. My dad has an expression. (laughs) <laughs> that he used to use. He doesn't so much anymore. He says, why bother worrying? Nothing's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, he's not there to defend himself. All right, but don't we feel that way sometimes? And here's Paul, right, in pretty bad spot, chained up, on trial, looking that his life might very well end. Say, well, I know that because you're praying 
And because His Holy Spirit is at work, it's all going to work out for my deliverance. Now, we've got to take a pretty broad definition of the term deliverance because we think, well, it means I'm going to go back home and, and uh, my car's going to be paid off and the mortgage is going to be all set and, uh, you know, I don't have to worry about money and I don't have to, my, my neighbors all like me now and, uh, you know, and the, the grass mows itself. I don't have to worry about it. That's, all, that's, that's deliverance, right? What if deliverance means death? What if trials are over because your life is over? Still deliverance, isn't it? Kind of a sadder deliverance in our minds. Not to Paul. Church was praying for him and the Holy Spirit was helping him. And this was a well of strength for Paul. But it's not a resource for only Paul. We don't do this exercise with this uh, note, this uh, list for nothing. This is a well of strength for us. To know the church and pray for each other. Right? Pray for each other. That's a well of strength. The same Holy Spirit that helped Paul helps us. You know that? He didn't have an extra measure. Like his bucket is bigger to carry more Holy Spirit than ours. That's not the way it works. It's the same Holy Spirit. It was at work. He was at work helping him to accomplish his task. So I guess if I was trying to make a point, it would be to keep praying for each other and draw strength from that. Sometimes we don't know what's going on in your life because you don't tell us, right? And I get that. You get a hard thing, maybe just when a few people pray about you don't want to be on the list. No problem. You can let a few people know and it can pray or let everybody know and we can all pray. This is a well of strength for us that goes far beyond how I look at it. I, you may have a wonderful appreciation of prayer that I don't. Um, I hope that we can draw strength. I'll, yeah, People are praying for you. Pray for me. We must all keep up that work to look beyond ourselves and remember our brothers and sisters before the Lord. Keep praying. And keep asking to be prayed for. Sometimes I have things I don't know how to pray for. I don't have words. Uh, and as I stand here now, I think maybe that's a good reminder. I don't have the words, Lord, I don't have the words for this situation. But maybe somebody else does. So share that with someone else so they can pray. I don't know. I didn't write that down, so it must be from the Lord. <laughs> Paul had confidence that he would be delivered from his trial one way or the other, drawing strength from the work of the Holy Spirit and the prayers of the saints, prayers of the church. Uh, just to be clear, saints in a church are the same thing. Mark that down. Now, there are only two ways that his deliverance could happen. Like I said, he could either be released from prison, acquitted by the Romans and set free to go about his work, being delivered from his trial in life, or his trial, literal trial, before the emperor would result in a guilty verdict and he'd be executed. 
and he would still be delivered from his trial by his death. His confidence was that one way or the other, Christ would be glorified. That was the purpose. It says in verse 19, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, or help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul had strength that came from the help of the Holy Spirit and the prayers of the church, resources that are not unavailable to us. That strength resulted in a confidence that he would be delivered from his troubles and that Christ would be honored in his body, either by life or by death. Again, not a confidence that is unavailable to us. We can have the same confidence that Paul had that we will not be ashamed and that Christ will be honored in our bodies either by life or by death. Do you know that? It's good to know here. (laughs) You need to know here and act that way here. Uh, The picture that I think helped uh, explain this, these things, this strength, this confidence... Uh, having those knowing we won't be ashamed either in life or in death, that Christ would be honored in our bodies, uh, is only possible if we take good care of our lenses. Our, do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Lenses. I, I wear glass uh, with corrective lenses uh, to help me see properly. Uh, to see clearly. When I take them off, you're a lot better looking. I was gonna say. <laughs> That's because I see double, and I see t- two of each of you. <laughs> we as Christians function the same way to the world. Our lives can and should help those who do not know Christ see him more clearly. We can function not only as corrective lenses, uh, which, uh, uh, boy, some correcting needs to be done. Right? We talked about it even this morning. Christ is not always well represented by his church. So people get a bad idea what uh, what Christ is really like because of dirty, scratched lenses. We can function not only as corrective lenses to change people's view, but as lenses like in a telescope. For those who think Christ is distant through our lives, we can magnify him by showing that he's not far off, but that he's very near. This happens, unfortunately for us, most often in the midst of our trials, in our hard times. We show what Christ is really like. We can also function as lens in a microscope for those who think that Jesus is very small and powerless, just little. As Warren Wiersbe wrote, the believer's body is a lens that makes a little Christ look very big and a distant Christ come very close. Now, either way, 
is a microscope or telescope or bifocal, whatever, we magnify the Lord most accurately in the midst of our trouble. Because that's when things are real. When things are going good, just got a raise, car's paid off, kids are happy, well-behaved, right? Your neighbors just brought you a cake. Wow, isn't God good? Yeah. It's cheap, though, isn't it? How about to praise God when all that stuff is gone? Praise God when you have to leave your house. When praise God when your spouse becomes abusive, or your job is gone, your friends turn on you, your health all falls apart. You can't do the things that you used to do anymore. Your body won't let you do it. Still praise you, God. That's when we display Christ most accurately, because it's the most real. The thing to remember about the lenses is that in order for them to be most for them to most accurately magnify their object, they must be clean and properly aligned, or else the object gets distorted. Or when I work out in the shop, turning, make it best or whatever, when I come out of there, my glasses are covered with dust, and I can't see things very good, and I forget that I've had this cloud of dust blowing in my face and get out and oh I must need new glass or something I can't see anything wipe them off makes a big difference right that's kind of how it is with us we had to be clean properly aligned you wear your glasses upside down they don't work the same way at least they don't for me I guess it's back to the one thing that set Paul apart Paul's superpower, what make him different. Paul's strength came from the help of the Holy Spirit and the prayers of the church. We can have that, can we? Yes, thank you. His confidence was that the Lord was at work and we would be glorified in the midst of his trials. That's true for us, right? These are all resources 100% available to us. What sets Paul apart, I think, from the rest of us? Not an insurmountable, unchangeable thing. But it would seem the thing that made him different is his single-mindedness. He says in verse 21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. For me... To live is Christ. And to die is gain. What a thought. What a thought to aspire to. It's not easy. 
Paul was single-minded in his life's goal and ambition to do the work of Christ. That doesn't mean he wasn't tired. I hope that you can hear that here. He's, he's saying, I, I, would, I would be better off dead if it were just about me because I could depart and be with Christ. But if he was to continue living, it meant that he could continue to do the work of Christ, magnifying Christ, preaching the gospel, help the church grow in faith. Which is better? I asked a question last week. Would Paul have been better off not be in prison? Would Paul be better off not be on trial, chained to a soldier, not able to do what he wanted to do? What would happen? Now, we can only speculate. We can only guess. But, you know, when he's there in prison, had a little bit of time on his hands, so he wrote the letter to Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. This is what he did. If he's not in prison, maybe he doesn't do that. How many is that? Six books of the Bible? Was it fruitful labor? <laughs> Ever read those books? I encourage you to do so. Yes, a few fruitful labor. Paul's, this is how I can tell, Paul just a man. Oh, it's not the only way, but Paul's selfish desire is to depart. To literally, the, what the, it says depart and be with Christ is an idiom in Greek. It means, uh, he says, my desire is to pack up my tent and move on. That's what it that's what the literally says in the Greek. To pack up my tent my earthly tent, and move on, depart, and be with Christ, hoping that he'd be delivered from his trials by his own death. And while that might have been much easier and more, more enjoyable maybe to him, he knew that sticking around was more necessary for the work that Christ had for him to do. Pretty fruitful work. Write five more books of the Bible. But Paul's single-mindedness is not really a superpower. Just like his strength and his confidence, that same single-mindedness is available to us if we're willing to avail ourselves to it. We don't have to be bitten by a radioactive spider or have some kind of gamma explosion go off in our face. We don't need any of that. Paul was able to say with confidence, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Now, if we are to be clean and properly aligned lenses so that we can magnify Christ to our friends and neighbors, we have to share that single-mindedness. This is the challenge. So for you, is to live Christ. Is Christ and his work your single most focus? Or for you, is to live something else? Now, don't ask these questions because I've got that nailed. <laughs> oh, yeah, for me to live is Christ. <laughs> sure, you know, my thoughts are on baseball most of the time. If to live for, if to live for us is anything but Christ... When we do die, when this life does end, you think we'll be fulfilled or disappointed? 
we will be disappointed because we will most assuredly lose those things that we live for which are not Christ. We will have to leave those things behind. If for you to live is making money. When you die, you'll be disappointed because you have to leave it behind. I heard a joke about a man, a rich man who died, and he, uh, in his will, he insisted to be buried with his bars of gold. And uh, this is not theologically or eschatologically accurate. So when he gets to the pearly gates, right, and meets the same Peter, and he's got his suitcases full of gold bricks, and uh, St. Peter says, all right, you're welcome here. But why did you bring all that pavement? <laughs> well, it can't all be good. <laughs> if for you to live is influence, then to die is to be forgotten. Because your memory will fade. Cemeteries full of wonderful people that nobody remembers anymore. If for you to live is family, then to die is to be without them because you leave this life without them. So fill in the blank. Examine yourself for me. To live is blank. And to die is blank. What's your top priority? If we fill in that first blank with anything but Christ, then the second blank becomes nothing but sorrow and disappointment. I'm not saying it's easy. Though Paul's strength and confidence and single-mindedness seem to be especially unique to him, that same strength and confidence and single-mindedness is available to us. We must beg God for it so that we would no longer be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is our single most work. Jesus did the work for our salvation. He died on the cross in our place, paid the penalty for our sin, that we could be reunited with God our Father in a whole, pure relationship again which is wonderful. That doesn't mean there isn't work for us to do. Because setting our mind on Christ this way is not natural to us. That's why we have instructions written in the book. Because we don't do that on our own. I admit I don't always want to do that. I admit I hardly ever want to do that. I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one here. For us must be, it must be to live as Christ. 
because that gives purpose to everything else that we do. Every, every, every carpet you vacuum, every ride that you give, every word that you say has more meaning and more purpose if for you to live is Christ. I pray that that would be the case with us. Start with me. Because as much as we like to paint those pictures of our favorite things are going to be in heaven, right? I know that in, in heaven there's going to be a big house with lots of food and, and a, a big yard where we can play football, like the old song says. <laughs> For us to live is Christ. Do you need any of that junk? <laughs> because when we get to God's eternal kingdom, if the object of our worship that's truly what we're talking about. If our object of worship is not Christ, heaven is going to be a bummer. What if they don't have baseball or trout fishing? Right? I know there's a river because it says so in Revelation. So I don't know if there's fishing or not. We must set our hearts on the things above, the things of Christ so that this life doesn't have a purpose, and that purpose is to live to glorify Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we pray, I pray, Lord, for the forgiveness of your people, for me. So often we put other things first, And we don't see this life as fruitful labor for Christ. We see it as maybe fruitful labor for ourselves. I pray, Lord, that you would clean and realign our lenses. That for us to live would be Christ. So that our time in this life would be fruitful. That people would see you more accurately through us in your church that people would know the power of the living Christ to forgive their sin to mold us and make us more like Jesus pray that you would do that work and start with us we love you and thank you in Jesus name Amen if you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support Checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.